Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. My name is Kristen Harcourt. I'm an executive coach and professional speaker, and I created this podcast to talk to progressive CEOs, strategic HR leaders, and forward-thinking experts who are passionate about leadership development, creating positive work cultures, and ultimately helping leaders to really tap into their greatness so they can be the best leaders they can be and create environments where people can do their best work. Um, so I'm excited to speak to another fellow coach who also is passionate about emotional intelligence and neuroscience like me. And I am excited to introduce you to Carlin Purcell. Carlin is the CEO of KDPM Consulting Group. She's a leadership coach, facilitator, and speaker. Welcome to the show, Carlin. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Kristen. It's a pleasure. So Carlin, I think the our first place to start, and I've been doing this with everybody for the month of April and March, is we're currently facing a, a global pandemic. Things are looking a little bit different than they normally do. And I think it's really important for both myself and my guests to share vulnerably as well. So how are you feeling? How is this impacting you? Oh boy, it has been a little bit of a... I call, I describe my days based on the wave. So I'm like, either it's a tsunami, some days it's just a little bit of a gentle wave, other days it's like this huge crash. The waves are coming at me fast and furious. And some days I just don't know, I'm not prepared for it. So much so I had to, in order to help me to navigate each day with grace, I had to rename this season that we're in to the shift in normal and not the new normal. Because I find every time I had a quote unquote handle on the day or what I expect, life just sent something else. And that shift that came into the day um, just stabbed my heart a little bit harder, poked it a little bit more in places I thought that, you know what, I'm good. Uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely a ride. It has been interesting. Lots of low days, lots of high days, um, lots of hopeful days, but lots of days where I'm just exhausted and I, and, I, and, I, and I just don't know how to deal with the day because in addition to being an empath, I'm also very intuitive. I could read people's energy and feelings and there are days where you literally feel the collective of the universe sitting heavily on my heart. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And it's, I, I think it's just letting everybody know that it's, it, it, we're all experiencing this, right? There's not, there's not anyone that's at this enlightened state that's not going to feel um, these emotions that are going to be coming up. And I think such a big part of that is being okay with that. I think sometimes we feel like we shouldn't be like that. We should be on for our kids. We should be on for our team. We should, we should, we should. Yes. And you and I both know that we need to stop shitting all over ourselves. that it's oh my really gosh. important, right? Even more yeah. so to be able to give ourselves permission. And when you're feeling exhausted, because it's, it's, it's so true. I've, I felt the same thing, Carlin, even to the point where it'll be the middle of the afternoon. I'm just like, I feel physically exhausted. Like what's going on? But you are from the collective conscious of everything, consciousness of everything that's going on, we are taking it on. And I'll say sometimes, you know what, if I need a nap in the middle of the afternoon, it's okay. There is no laziness happening here. No, anything and everything goes. And actually one of the mentors or reminders that I use for myself to ground me and to send to me, the minute I find myself shooting, I quickly say shooting is the gateway to suffering. Yes. So I, I, I pull myself back. It's like, okay, let's not should. 
what can you try to do right now that might bring a little bit of ease or might give you some more space so that you can breathe and then you can see what is the best next right step. Yeah. And that's the thing about leadership or just being inclusive and leading of intention in the season. A lot of it, 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 it begins, I always say inclusion begins with I, right? So in order to be an effective and inclusive leader, a leader who has the lens to understand that what we're going through right now, it's not the norm. So if we're feeling it, it means that your employees and your staff, they're also feeling it too. So how can I be a, an effective leader and lead them with intention? It means that I need to lead myself with intention. I need to go in and say, okay, Carlin, what do you need in order for you to not just anchor yourself in this moment, yeah. but in order for you to lead others, in order for you to be of service to others, in order for you to create space to hold capacity for your loved ones, what do you need the most right now? So I think it's so important for us to, to your point, remove all the shoulds and keep writing ourselves permission slips to do whatever it is we need to do in order for us to make it through. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know about you, but what has shown up in so many of my coaching discussions over the last three or four weeks has been um, how critical self-care is right now. And that um, self-care is there's no right or wrong version. It's your version. And that's is to your point. It's about really checking in with yourself. It's, it's sometimes I found it quite fascinating that Something that can be very grounding for me in one moment could actually be exactly the opposite of what I need in another moment. Social media. So social media, I am feeling, and some days I just feel I need to be on there. I need to be connecting. I need to be having dialogue because I'm, I'm missing that energy of connection. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas later on in that afternoon, I can just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling overconsumption. I'm feeling the social media is just coming at me. There's too much of it. And I'll have to yeah. recognize, oh, actually what I need right now is I need to turn this off and not be at, on my computer or not. So it's constantly checking in with ourselves on an hourly basis, minute by minute. And, and it's not one version. We have our own versions that are going to look different throughout the day, throughout the weeks. Oh, absolutely. Actually, I started this series called A Transition to help people to transition. Again, the shift in normal day-to-day, moment-by-moment, because if you win the moment, then you win the day, right? And one of the things that I encouraged everyone to reflect on is, what is your pandemic persona? Uh, like, what is showing up for you? Yeah. Um, and it's not, for, you know, from a judgment place, but again, it's the awareness around who is showing up today. Is it, to your point, tired mommy? Probably, is it the tired wife? Is it just a tired person? Or is it the, the hopeful mom? Or the we have to give ourselves a little bit of room to see who is showing up. Because whoever shows up, that person, that persona, that version of ourselves, actually comes with a lot of intelligence, like intel, resilience, um, maybe data around something that you have dealt with in the past, not necessarily a pandemic, but you probably went through a very difficult period or moment in your past, and the collective wisdom from that moment is now showing up. Um, but we need to give ourselves space for us to recognize that. We have yeah. to give ourselves permission to actually take off the CEO hat, take off the SVP, VP, whatever your title is, just take it off for a moment and just be human and yes. sit with that humanity so yes. that you can gather 
all the intelligence from all versions of yourself, from all the different moments in your life when you did win, or in some cases failed, because every single of, of those moments, it, it, it does bring some value to the current situation that we can leverage or we can lean on. Yeah, that's such a good point, right? Because people might be putting it into a category of, well, we've never experienced this before, but we've experienced a heartache. We've experienced difficult moments. We've experienced things that came that were unexpected, uncertainty, and lots of different versions throughout our life. So that's such a great point of um, reminding ourselves of that resilience and those tools that we have in our toolkit that can be used in this situation as well. Absolutely. Yes, totally. Um, so Carlin, um, I'm so fascinated with your journey. Um, you worked in, in, in finance for 23 years and then went and started your business. Um, what was the impetus to, to really make you want to go out there and, and do this work that you're currently doing? Uh, tell me a little bit more about your journey. I would say the impetus, it was like my own little in a mini crisis. Um, I did about nine years in the Caribbean. I'm born and raised in, in the Caribbean in St. Lucia in the West Indies. And um, after nine years, I moved here to Toronto and uh, I wasn't prepared for the culture shift. Or I, I would say that I wasn't well equipped to ride the wave of the culture shift. And part of that led me to feeling very unhinged and feeling like um, I don't have a leadership roadmap that can serve me. I didn't really necessarily know um, how to take my cultural competence from my from the Caribbean and convert it to a North American culture, which is a little bit different in terms of how we lead, how we live, and also how a way of doing things. So that led me to, that moment of unhingedness led, led me to a space of figuring out, okay, what did other leaders do? Like how did they navigate difficult situation or difficult conversations? Or when you feel like you don't belong, um, what do you do? Because that feeling, it's very personal, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people can relate in terms of that, that ickiness that you feel in your stomach, that feeling of you don't matter or your voice doesn't matter. Like yeah. it really brought up a lot of different um, feelings that I just didn't have language for. So diving into the work of, uh, you know, Dr. Brené Brown, um, as well as just other leadership resources, I found out that, hey, there's A, there's nothing wrong with me, and B, <laughs> it is actually lack of belonging. It's something that a lot of people experience. A lot of people do go through um, that, that experience, and they do come out of it with some tools that actually help them to move forward. So oh, I hired a coach. Um, I got some help. I called our employee assistance line, but which didn't give me a lot of the tools I needed, but there was some tools that helped me to move forward. And I just got really fascinated by how, I don't know how to describe it. I don't even think there's a word for it, but when you have the tools and you feel supported and you feel valued and you feel seen, you feel heard, it's like... It's like you, you've won the lottery, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you've won the, the human lottery and, and you feel yes. like you can do anything. You yes. can be anyone. Like the sky is actually just the beginning. Yes. Um, and, and also just encountering other people who are not necessarily from here, who are immigrants like myself, having the same sort of, I guess you can say, um, um, challenges. I started sharing some of the tools and some of the things that I learned. And then I found people were coming to me. They're like, I heard you had this really great worksheet on, you know, helping to write your own workplace experience. 
can I get that? Or I heard this and it just became a thing. So I started writing, you know, sending out emails to, to a group of people. Leaders used to ask me to add the team to it. And, and it just went from there. And, and, and the, the, one of the tools, I guess you can say, that really showed me that people were interested is the success planner, which is a, um, a life, career, work, purpose, and meaning, self-care, um, all the things that we're told that we should do, but yes. we don't yes. always do because, yes. again, we, we're like, I don't have enough time in the day. Um, so that led me to create in this journal where people can put themselves first in, all, in yeah. order for them to be a better leader. Yeah. And that led to creating workshops. And then eventually in, in 2017, 2016, 2017, yeah. I decided to leave and, and to do this full time to take a chance on me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. First of all, congratulations, because it's not always easy to take that. I like to call it a, a leap, right? It is trusting yeah. and taking a leap without knowing exactly what it's going to look like. But um, there's also this wonderful um, feeling of, of, of trust and courage and bravery when you actually follow that path that you know you're feeling called. I, I, I mean, I hear right away as you're describing it, and there's no, there's no surprise people are gravitating towards you because you're doing that work that's very aligned with your, your purpose and your mission and your vision. Um, and what you're here to do. And one of the things that um, strikes me as you were talking, Carlin, is I also worked with a coach for the first time probably five years ago and then eventually went on my coaching journey. And I think for some people, um, there's a couple of things. Some can be the vulnerability of asking for help. And then the other piece can just be the unknown. I think you hear the word coach and people have all of these different ideas and, and visions of what a coach is and what a coach does. And, and you and I both know it, it is, it is life-changing. It's transformational to have a space where, where you're doing that work, but then someone is championing you all the way. Um, tell me about that from, from your perspective. Um, why do you think coaching is so powerful? It's, it's like you're in the frame and a coach helps you see the entire frame. You can only see, think of, think of a photo, think of a picture. A photo is within a frame. So you can't necessarily see the sides of the frame. You don't know how beautiful it is. You don't know yes. if it's out of sync, out of whack. You just don't because you're literally in the frame and your blind spots right? You, you, you can't see beyond that. Yeah. But the thing about our blind spots is that it holds so much wisdom, right? So what I find a coach, the value a coach brings is that the coach helps you to see beyond those blind spots. It will bring it to light and there might be some traits or patterns and habits that might be getting in the way of your full potential, uh, which I think is a, the scary part for a lot of people because right. the hardest thing that we can do as humans is to face ourselves, right? right? And, and, and to face our truth and to own that. Yeah. Um, but the coach will help you to not only see those blind spots, but help you to convert that into a competence that you can use in order for you to um, live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. So for me, the language or the tools or the frame a coach gives me it's, it's not something that you can use just at work but it's something that benefits your life you can use it in yeah. marriage you can use it if you're parenting you can use it in your relationship with your parents yeah. and most importantly you can use it to lead others um, as well yeah I love how you described the um, the frame and because I think that happens so often with leaders right because they're in the trenches they can't See out here and it reminds me too it's expansive right so it starts to be yeah. you're seeing here and now it expands and it's reminding me of I, I was doing a coaching session with somebody it was the first time we were doing it together yesterday and every time she would get these insights she said 
she could, she was just blown away. She'd say, wow, wow. How did I not know that? How did I, I said, because you didn't have the space. You weren't sitting down and, and thinking about these things in this way. And it's just helping you to shift the perspective and just look at it through these fresh eyes. And she was just, she, she was so amazed because she just couldn't believe at first, even a little bit being hard on herself. Like, you know, why didn't I know this on my own? I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be sitting here talking about it. I should have. And then, you know, as soon as I heard should, I said, well, who's, who's showing up right now? That's not you. That's not your most resourceful self. But um, it was beautiful, that recognition of, oh, it's, I truly believe every single one of us could get value from a coach. You don't get to yeah. a place where, oh, I'm done. You know, I'm done. I've arrived and there's nothing. Well, of course you're continuing to expand mm -hmm. and, and go places that you hadn't even ever perhaps thought about. Mm -hmm. And that journey can help you go there. Oh yes, absolutely. And that's the beauty of a coach and even just helping to reframe because of the brain's um, negativity bias. We tend to see ourselves through the lens of um, what do I need to improve on Yes. versus um, what are the things I'm great at? And here are some opportunities in terms of our blind spots or, you know, if you think of your personal SWOT analysis, right? What are some of those weaknesses and how can you leverage your strengths so yes. that you can now take advantage of those weaknesses, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's so important for us to have that ex objective voice to give us a little bit of room for that so we can see it and we can make space for it. Yeah. But most importantly, because we are so zeroed in into the now and what we're doing, sometimes we don't always see the possibilities of what's, what's possible for ourselves in terms of our potential. So I find that a coach just really helps us to see beyond who we are and yeah. also hold us accountable to that work because yeah. the brain does not like going outside of the comfort zone. So the yes. second you, are, you dare to think beyond your conditioned self, it goes into fight or flight mode and it's like yes. danger. Let's not go there. Yes. But what I love about a coach, the coach will guide you through that danger zone and yes. to help you to get on the other side um, with, with lots of grace and lots of gratitude. Yes. Yes. It's pushing those edges. Yeah. And then even as you were um, talking, it reminds me of two, which I, I find a lot of um, my clients experience and, and you might experience this with your clients as well, is that they're always looking out here. They forget to take a step back and celebrate all that happened back here. Right. It's always like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. Let's pause for one moment and look at, let's look backwards at all the things you accomplished this last year. Right. But a lot of times they're so quick to move on to the next thing as opposed to really celebrating and acknowledging all that they've achieved. Yes. And that's why for with the success planner I created, I built in a deliberate system for people to pause and to look at nice. what are my key accomplishments? What are the three things I did really well, but also where are some of the areas I struggled and what do I need help with going forward? So we've actually built in a system to get people to pause, to reflect and to identify based on this month's data, the wisdom I gathered from this month, what will I continue? What will I start and what will I stop to help me to continuously focus on my areas of, of, of like, like that can help me to move forward. So we, 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 the brain has the ability for us to do that, to pause, to reflect, and also to recalibrate. Yeah. And, and because the brain is malleable, we can train it for the life that we're creating. So again, with a coach, you get that opportunity for you to work on those essential items, those essential things that will help us to move forward.
So it's so important for us to give ourselves the opportunity because then we lose the impact of that wisdom and it fuel, you know, the whole imposter syndrome moments that we all have um, from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. And I will make sure in the show notes to include a link to the success journal. I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in purchasing that so that they do have, because uh, it, it is something that I see so often with leaders is just, just none of that white space built in for self-reflection. So this will help you. Cause even when I, when I, I talked to them, it was, it was so funny. I was at a, um, I, I was speaking at an event in New York city a couple of years ago, and I was talking about self-reflection and with the group, there was, I, I don't know, 250 people in the room and we, um, we were talking about, you know, an hour, an hour per week of self-reflection. And I love my New Yorkers. They're all negotiating for, oh, no, 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 an hour is too much. Like the group negotiated amongst themselves to half an hour. Oh, and I, I said, take a moment and step back. And what are you noticing right now? You will not give yourself a gift of an hour. You're trying to throw it away and give a half an hour. There's something to reflect on right there. Um, but you right know, there. a lot of times, right? That's a, something to reflect on. But a, they all were really curious around, well, what does that self-reflection look like? And what are those questions I should be asking myself? So mm -hmm. I, I think your tool will be so great for the, okay, I'm going to commit to the self-reflection, but I don't have to know exactly what I'm going to self-reflect about because I'm going to have some questions yes. that are going to help me think about what I should be focusing on and get those new neural pathways Exactly. moving, right? To get yes. them on the right things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Carlin, what do you notice when you think about some of the leaders that you've worked with? Um, you know, I know you're doing a lot around the emotional intelligence and then also with understanding the brain and some of the, the neuroplasticity, the neuroscience and all of that kind of stuff. What are some of those common themes that you notice? I, I know you, you, you work with a lot of women as well, but I'm sure some of these mm -hmm. things happen with both, both men and women where they get in their own way. Oh yeah. The, the number one thing, you know, that comes up a lot is the fear around emotions and actually giving themselves permission to fully feel it. And I'm pretty sure you've seen that as well too, with your work around EQ. Uh, emotions, unfortunately, has been assigned a gender. Um, people think emotions have a gender and it's something that women experience and it's something that's, you know, assigned to, 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 to our, to our gender, but, one of the things that I really love when, when I teach people the science behind the brain that, you know, at the end of every experience, what we create is an emotion. Here's the science behind emotion. Then people understand how impactful it is to help reduce stress, um, how, how important it is in terms of making decisions, right? And also leading effectively in terms of having that awareness in terms of how you're leading self and how you're leading others. So there is usually that, that, that little bit of a fear, I guess you could say, of the unknown in terms of, well, it's almost like people feel like, well, if I admit that I'm not emotionally intelligent, it means that I'm not a good person, I'm not a good right. leader. And I, and I have to caution people and say, every single one of us, we are all emotionally intelligent. We have been used in our emotional data in an intelligent way. But the question is, are you optimizing the opportunity that you have in front of you in the moment? Yeah. And the question is no, because a lot of us are to your point, nobody makes time for that self-reflection because it's very low on the bar in terms of productivity. But again, we fail to recognize the connection between emotions and productivity emotions and decision-making, emotions and actually reducing stress or reducing the mental chatter um, in our head. So for me, that's the biggest 
the initial, I guess you can say hurdle or, or resistance around yeah. that. But once people understand the science behind it, yeah, there's a little bit more of a receptivity around that. Yeah. And depending on where the client is on that emotional scale, then we do some deeper dive work around, you know, the self-reflection or maybe keeping an emotional dialogue, depending on how aware people are of their home emotions or the baseline that they use to make decisions and to navigate life. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because there's so many leaders who I, I end up working with that I say they're too much up here in the head and not enough down here yeah. in the heart. Um, but also the emotions, right? That there's a whole part of themselves that they're not tapping into. Even when I'll say to them, okay, so talk to me about, you know, your intuition. Where do you experience that in your body? What? Intuition <laughs> and my body? And what do you mean? What do you mean my body? Or when you're feeling angry, where do you notice that shows up in your, in your body? Is it in your head? Is it your show? Right. So just getting them to start tapping in and noticing how their body is signaling them. And then as they start to notice that, it's um, getting them into a space of there's no good or bad emotions. It's non-judgmentally getting curious and being with the emotions. I've just found there's been so much, even around some of the positive psychology, where it's been misinterpreted to mean that, oh, it means that you should be positive and happy all the time. No, 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 no. To feel the full range, like anger gets a bad rap. Anger when processed properly is there's so much, usually underneath the anger is a lot of sadness. So much sadness, but also so much data. Like, so like I have had to reframe how I talk about emotions and say emotions is just data. It's information. What do you do with information? If you have a report that your, 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 your boss, the CEO sends to you, or, you know, your boss just sent to you, do you just take the data and glance at it and immediately give an opinion or write the report? No, you take time with the data. You, you know, you analyze it. You look at what is the best tool or system for me to do that? Um, who's my support system to help me to reflect on that data, to make sure that it's correct. And then you submit that report. It's the same thing for our emotional data as well. Like anger is usually, there's something behind it. There is a message. There's an emotional data that's, that's, if we take the opportunity to dive in and to reflect on it, then we can see where either, you know, our values were, 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 were a little bit disrupted or our boundaries right? Someone, someone went over our boundaries. It's so important for us to spend that time to your point, to lean in both the unpleasant and pleasant emotions, or again, people like using good or bad. And like you, I, 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 to me, all emotions are valid. So there's no good or bad, but it's so important for us to lean into that emotional data and see what it's telling us, because then we get to really tap into our power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I just think it's so interesting with the emotional intelligence too. It's not like something where you have this set point and that's where you're going to be for the rest of your life. It's a spectrum and you can always improve. And you might even just notice depending on what's going on in your life and transitions, there might be certain things where you've kind of, you've decreased in that emotional intelligence and you need to increase in it again. And then somewhere else you're really thriving. So it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's something that's constantly evolving. Constantly. And if you're willing, it's a, it's a beautiful journey to actually tap into. And I like what you said there, right? Cause it's, there is this belief sometimes, and I've heard this before too. And even when I'm talking about, it, I'm like, emotional intelligence, everyone goes right away to the, to the aggressive, angry, you know, 
there's someone I could think about in the US right now as a politician that kind of might make you think of this. The, this thing where there's this, um, this lack of, you know, very aggressive, um, lack of lack of self-awareness, like they kind of go to those extreme cases. Yeah. No, no, no. There are, you know, narcissists and people in the world, there's extreme and still opportunity for growth there too, if they're willing to Absolutely. do Absolutely. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about only. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of different people where there's certain areas, they might be very strong in having empathy for others, but to their detriment that there's nothing, they're not giving back to themselves and their self-talk's not very positive, right? So right. it's just understanding for each of us where those, you know, to use the word blind spots, right? Where are some of those mm -hmm. blind spots? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And then, and then how can we leverage those blind spots for us to continue building on, on, on our purpose and our legacy or that assignment that we've been given while we're here on this earth? In this yes. Yeah. Yes. I love that. The assignment we've been given as, as we've been put on this earth. That's beautiful, Carlin. Um, when you think about, um, you were talking, when I, when I was reading about some of the things you focus on, I love when you were talking about, and I don't even know exactly what it is, but I'm very intrigued, the elephant story. Tell me more about the elephant story. So the elephant story, it's likened after the elephant in the room idiom, and it, re it stands for, you know, an unknown, you know, truth, or think of it as a skeleton in the closet, like something yes. that we know that we have to deal with, but yes. we just haven't given ourselves full permission to do that. So there's a lack of closure around it. And, and what you just talked about is such a great example in terms of the negative or the unpleasant emotion, like let's say it's, it's shame yes. or helplessness. Behind every emotional data, there's a story because the brain works on narratives. So anytime we feel an emotion, whether we feel it in our gut or in our chest or clenched jaw, whatever that emotion is, yeah. there is a story that the mind makes up in order for it to make sense mm -hmm. of the world, in order for it to make sense of what is this thing I'm feeling? Oh, it must be because, you know, I'm hungry or right. John probably did not like, you know, that email or that report I sent. So like it decreases a narrative in order for it to make sense. That's how it keeps us safe. Yes. So an eloquent story for the unpleasant emotions is usually something that's shameful. It's something that the ego does not want to come to our consciousness because it believes that if I share that story or that narrative, if I put it out there, if I own that truth, then yes. it means my identity is at risk. Yes. It means that the identity, the persona, the person that I have been putting forth to society, to my work colleagues, to my family, there is a very high chance that they will reject that version of myself if I dare to change that identity. So the, the, those shame stories are very driven by the ego because the ego is very interested in keeping appearances and making sure that, you know, the narrative or the story we've told about ourselves this far, um, it's, 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 we're really accepted. So let's not rock the boat. So that is usually when elephant story comes from, but also when we ignore our elephant story, we also ignore our authentic truth mm. and we drive ourselves further away from our authentic selves, which, mm. will, as you know, will impact um, our leadership abilities, how sincere we are. But most importantly, we know that nonverbal cues are more powerful than verbal cues. So we are not in alignment with our personal truth. So that means that our ability to influence others, it's, it's lower and uh, people actually feel your inauthenticity. Yes. 
I love that. And I, energy speaks so much louder than words, right? You can think, oh, I'm keeping, oh, nobody knows. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, they can tell the energy. And it reminds me, even as you were saying that, um, I love a concept that Brene Brown talks about. And uh, I, I've used this a lot in my personal life when I'm being brave, um, where it's um, the story I'm telling right now, right? So yes. There was a situation. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to experiment and use this with my husband right now, right? Um, and because I noticed I was, it was actually with what's going on right now. And I, I was uh, getting lectured a little bit around, oh, it looks like you're kind of being an absent parent because you're letting them watch technology when you're with your clients. And I was like, oh, I'm not liking that one. So I got a little curious and I, I mm. and then I realized, I said, oh, the, the story I'm telling myself, the story that I'm hearing. And so I was really verb, ver, I, I said, articulated to him, the story that I notice I'm telling right now is that you're thinking that I'm not an adequate mom, that I'm not doing that things right. Like, so I really put it out there. And then he said, I was just actually joking around and it's fine. Like it's, yeah. I was joking, like it's okay. But it's so interesting to, to recognize because where I went to in that moment is I was feeling shame because I felt like I'm not being a good mom because I right. they shouldn't be allowed on technology when I'm working with a client, knowing that my, my truth is that that's not true at all. I know it. I'm, I know I'm a good mom and I know it's okay for a little bit of technology, but yeah. shame had entered. And it was so interesting to watch how the shame was released when I just spoke it out loud. Yes. Cause shame thrives in silence and secrecy. And usually when the story comes up, so very similar um, to Brene Brown's um, story. I'm making um, um, the story I'm noticing, I'm telling myself, I have this acronym that I use with clients and with myself yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's called SIMU. Yeah. And SIMU stands for story I'm making up. So when I'm in the moment and I'm on the brink of that shame spiral, I just go, SIMU, yeah. SIMU, SIMU, SIMU. Yeah. And it just disrupts that automaticity, that automatic yeah. you know, narrative and yeah. the shame spiral. And yeah. then I'm like, okay, Carlin, what's the SIMU? What's the story I'm making up? I'm like, hmm, yeah. so the story I'm making up is that, you yeah. know, I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I feel like you don't care. And speaking it out, because shame, we, we cultivate shame resilience when we give shame empathy, yes. right? When we share our story with someone who have earned the right to hear it. Yeah. And when it's done in a way that, you know, um, we actually give ourselves permission to tell the real story that we're making up. Yes. So that's why immediately that shame spiral goes down and and I think the reason why it's so hard for some leaders to admit that is that they feel like again well I'm the CEO I don't have shame stories mm -hmm. you know I am this yeah. very big important person yes. I I'm not a human being yeah. but it's like but actually you are we all yeah. have shame stories because yes. we're always human right and the more we acknowledge our humanity the more we're able to lead effectively and we can be inclusive and that's why even in my work on the DNI side that's why I feel like, you know, things like, you know, I call them elephants, like yeah. racism and white privilege yes. and internalized oppression. And people are so afraid to talk about it because they think that, well, if I acknowledge the elephant in the room, what does that mean? Yes. Right. How do I carry that out? How do I address that elephant? But the very first step is a addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how the rest just takes care of itself because then yes. you will now have the tools in terms of what's next. And to your point, to be brave enough to show up and say, you know what? I don't necessarily know how to move this elephant. I just know it's there. And I'm happy and I'm open to speak to anyone who is willing to join me and see how we can address this elephant. Yeah. That is enough.
as yes. a CEO, as a leader, you don't necessarily have to have all the answers. Yeah. But you can be brave enough to model the behavior of what ethical leadership or inclusive leadership or brave leadership looks like for the rest of the organization. Because the brain also um, prioritize modeling in terms of behavior more than what we say. Again, going back to that energy and nonverbal cues, it's so much more powerful than verbal yes. Um, communication. Yes, yes. Um, Carlin, we could talk for hours because you and I are so passionate about all of this. Um, but I always like to leave my guests with a final thought and it can be around anything, you know, a final thought you want to leave with the audience, final thought you want to leave with leaders, whatever's most resonant for you in this moment. I would say what's coming up for me is you are doing your best you're doing your best. Um, right now, our nervous system is just so inundated with so much information, with so much also emotional data that's probably rushing to our consciousness. Um, and we're all just trying to do our best. So whatever and however you are coping, try to suspend judgment and assumption. Mm -hmm. Don't beat yourself up any more than you need to. Already the world and what's happening globally is already doing that for us unconsciously. Yeah. Yes. So give yourself a little bit more grace, give yourself some compassion. One of the tools that I put in place and offer it to anybody it resonates with is two things that I did was to create an appreciation jar. Yes. So anytime something went well, because I live in a small condo with my husband, we're in here 24 yes. seven together. Yes. We're not used to spending so much time <laughs> together. So the simplest things can set you off, right? Yes. Um, so we have an appreciation jar, whether it's about the day or the fact that I actually was able to be productive today, whatever it might be, we put it in the jar, both about ourselves, the day and so forth. Yeah. And another thing I encourage people to do is to write compassion slips, right? Mm -hmm. Actually say, I give Carlin compassion today on X. Yeah. Uh, leave it blank so that you can also give it to others as well. Um, yes. And what I mean by that is that if you find yourself like what is an email from your boss or something your husband or kids did and you're feeling not very compassionate right now, write them a compassion slip. You don't have to give it to them. Um, but the, the action of writing it allows us to do what I call emotional flossing. It allows us yes. to deal with whatever emotion that comes up because and you do two things. You honor self. And then you honor others as well. So these are the two things that I'd like to offer um, at this moment. And hopefully it adds some value and someone can find some sort of, you know, a little bit of hope in that. Oh, beautiful. Grace and self-compassion is so important right now. But I, I love what you where you went with the permission slip because we have to also recognize that while one person might be on this part with the emotions and they're actually feeling a lot of gratitude, somebody else is on the other part of their roller coaster at that moment and they're feeling a lot of anxiety and fear. So to come from a place of, oh, I'm going to pour in compassion for this person recognizing where they are in this moment, it starts to depersonalize it and it doesn't make it around. They're not trying to in that moment um, necessarily behave the way they're behaving with you, but they have their own stuff going on. So it just feels like it's creating a little bit of spaciousness. Exactly. Yes. Oh, amazing. Well, um, Carlin, all of your information will be included in the show notes and I hope people go check all of the amazing stuff that you're doing, especially this journal too. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me.
And I look forward to part two of our conversation. Yes, there, there's going to be a part two. You've heard it here. I just committed. There's going to be a part two. <laughs>